0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevayam, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevayam, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevayam. Okay, so we are studying the Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, we know that. <laughs> and we are on Chapter 11 of the 5th Canto. And in the beginning of the fifth ca- uh, Chapter 11, the first three verses, we heard Jada uh, chastising uh, Maharaja Hugana and giving him some understanding of the difference between what is real and what is false, and then the verses that we studied last week, also verses four to eight, was all about the mind and how the mind is central to us, the material, the soul, our material existence. And right at the, we did verse nine. We ended with verse nine last week. Where we were talking about how the mind, and this is this will give us a connection to what we're about to read now, how the mind projects a false sense of ourself, the false ego, and it projects it on sense objects, the action of one's bodily organs, one's body, one's friends, societies, personalities, possessions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that kind of leads us up to verse 10 which is what we're on. And so you see, that's the connection, the mind. And now here's uh, how the Abhiman or the false ego is discussed. So sound, touch, form, taste, and smell are the objects of the five knowledge acquiring senses. Speech, touch, movement, evacuation, and sexual intercourse are the objects of the working senses. Besides this, there's another conception by which one thinks Quote, this is my body, this is my society, this is my family, this is my nation, and so forth. This eleventh function of the mind is called false ego. According to some philosophers, this is the twelfth function, and its field of activity is the body. Text 11. The physical elements, nature, the original cause, culture, destiny, and the time element are all material causes. Agitated by these material causes, the eleven functions uh, transform into hundreds of functions and then into thousands and then into millions. But all these transformations, and this is the point of this little section, but all these transformations do not take place automatically by mutual combination. Rather, they are under the direction of the supreme personality of Godhead. So all this discussion of the field of activities and Uh, its permutations going into the millions ends with Krishna as the controller of of all of that. So then we hear in verse 12 about the conditioned and liberated souls. And we'll talk about this verse. The individual soul bereft of Krishna consciousness has many ideas and activities created in the mind by the external energy. They have been existing from time immemorial. Sometimes they are manifest in the waking state and in the dream state, but during deep sleep, unconsciousness, or trance, they disappear. A person who is liberated in this life, Jivan Mukta, can see all these things vividly. Hmm. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that the Nityabhadhas, that means, what does that mean, Nityabhadha? Eternally conditioned. Yes, the Buddhas can become liberated by controlling the mind, because the cause of conditioned life is the mind. When the mind is trained and the soul is not under the mind's control, the soul can be liberated even in this material world. Therefore, a little further, therefore, even in this material world, they engage in Krishna in Krishna's service, the devotees, as confirmed by Srila Rupa Goswami. Iha yasya hare dasye. If one takes to Krishna's service, he is liberated, even though he appears to be a conditioned soul within the material world. Jivan Mukta In any condition, one is to be considered liberated if his only business is to serve Krishna. So we're going to hear more about the mind in the last few verses of this chapter. But it is that pivotal uh, point of... Uh, that either keeps us in the material world or liberates us the mind is the friend or the enemy, depending how we use it so that that second half of the reading is telling us you keep it as a friend by keeping it engaged in krishna's service otherwise um the mind is uh you know otherwise that's the only way we can. You know, kind of get out of this world. As this verse says, it had the, we have many ideas and activities created in the mind by the external energy. So we have different desires and fears that are born of our mind, and the mind is (laughs) is continuously creating newer, really most important, uh, Desires, infatuations, and then alternatively, the the next big catastrophe in our life. And what happens that as time goes on, especially if we can start looking, you know, in hindsight at those uh, uh, desires and fears with a bit of detachment, or uh, which is based, of course, on knowledge, then those those big thoughts that were occupying our mind like anything they become like, you know, a cloud blown away by the wind. But the problem is we take those thoughts really seriously and we actually identify with them and we, you know, attain this like intense uh connection with them, even though they're just made up in the mind. They're just will-o'-the-wisp, as Prabhupada would say. They're just, they lack substance. It's like a, you know a hot air balloon that just gets bigger and bigger, but really in the balloon, all there is is some hot air inside of of no substance and just a a hollow shell. But uh, the mind drags us constantly throughout the day. And this is what's being talked about here to not allow that to happen to us. So some, some thoughts on this aspect of the mind that's all go ahead go ahead andy was that you
1: it's right that was me go ahead um the point that's made over here that sometimes when we're in the dream state or when we're in deep sleep you know all these thoughts and um desires in the mind sort of disappear and and that and that's the point when we reach um liberation when we when we become awakened so th- that kind of stood out for me, saying that you know sometimes when we're in deep sleep, we don't have any thoughts or any desires or anything. we're just in a state of trance, in like a Samadhi, and it's at that point when we start you know um reaching within and start understanding you know exactly what you know what lies within us. so that kind of stood out for me quite a bit, saying you know when we're meditating, we should try and get into that state of no thoughts, no um no desires. Just to be absorbed in, in the meditation or in chanting. Well, let's let's look at that. It says some.
0: Thank you for that, Jay. Sometimes they are manifest in the wake. So let's read the whole. Thing. The individual soul, bereft of Krishna consciousness, has many ideas and activities created in the mind by the external energy. Okay, that's that's pretty clear, right? They have been existing from time immemorial. That's pretty clear. We we've been caught up in our mind for a long time sometimes they manifest in the waking state and in the dream state but during deep sleep unconsciousness or trance they disappear a person who is liberated in this life jiva and mukta can see all those these things vividly so um okay so deep sleep is such a temporary thing right uh it it i don't know um I'm trying to remember where in the, how long it's, or where in the Shastra it talks about this explicitly, but even in, uh, the different sleep cycles that, you know, modern, uh, investigation has shown, uh, it lasts a certain amount of time. And it's certainly we wake up <laughs> from it and then we're back with our time immemorial mind. So even if those, uh, desires are just, you know, uh, um, dormant for a few hours or something we pick them up immediately As a matter of fact also Prabhupada would talk about night and daydreams that we think we're dreaming during the night but we're also dreaming during the day and that that actually comes uh, we, we just kind of covered that we, you know, we think we're our body we think we're from a certain country we think we're a certain gender we we relate to all these things. This also comes up in the next chapter that ultimately are, are temporary. So I don't think um, the deep sleep is equated with a liberated soul, um, although Prabhupada uses the word trance. So we, we do want to, uh, so Jay, we do want to make the mind calm. That's, that's a, a sattvic uh, want. We want to make the mind calm so that we can focus on Krishna. We don't want to make it void because that doesn't last very long. <laughs> uh, uh, Prabhupada would be very fond of quoting that Arura Param that a person trying to void out their, their desires and just be desireless without focusing on Krishna, they generally fall down again to some material consciousness, even if it's something very subject like, you know, trying to help others and things, uh, things of that nature. I'm just trying to look here at the Sanskrit and see if we get any. Um, so tirohita cha and not manifest purified not purified. Well, have to take a little more research on that. But does that is that helpful at all, Jay?
1: Yeah, I think in the puppet as well, it kind of like um, highlights this point a bit more. It says those who are in, who are sleeping and unconscious are eternally conditioned. But those who are awake understand that they're eternal part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. Mm. So yes, right. I think yeah. it Thank you. A bit more into points there.
0: Yes, yes, very good. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, any other thoughts or questions or comments? All right, let's move on then to the next verse, verse 13 and 14. Uh, oops, one second. And so this is talking about the super soul as the ultimate Shektragya or knower of the field. There are two kinds of Shaitragya: the living entity, as explained above, and the Supreme Personality of God, who explained who is explained as follows. He is the all-pervading cause of creation. He is full of him in himself and is not dependent on others. He is perceived by hearing and direct perception. He is self-effulgent and does not experience birth, death, old age, and disease. He is the controller of all the demigods, beginning with Lord Brahma. He is called Narayana, and he is the shelter of living entities after the annihilation of this material world. He is full of all opulences, and he is the resting place of everything material. He is therefore known as Vasudeva, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. By his own potency, he is present within the hearts of all living entities, just as the heir or vital force, is within the bodies of all beings, moving and non-moving. In this way, he controls the body. In his partial feature, the Supreme Personality of God, it enters all bodies and controls them. So now we're getting to the uh, conclusion of this chapter, these next three verses, and it's talking about the mind, the soul, and the mandatory trans. Uh, migration of the soul unless of course he becomes uh, liberated and goes back home back to Godhead. So we'll focus on verse 17 but these next three verses are all quite wonderful. My dear King Rahugana, as long as the conditioned soul accepts the material body and is not freed from the contamination of material enjoyment and as long as he does not conquer his six enemies and comes to the platform of self-realization by awakening his spiritual knowledge, he has to wander among different places and different species of life in the material world. The soul's designation, verse 16, the mind, is the cause of all tribulations in the material world. As long as this this fact is unknown to the conditioned living entity, he has to accept the miserable conditions of the material body and wander within this universe in different positions. Because the mind is affected by disease, lamentation, illusion, attachment, greed, and enmity. It creates bondage and a false sense of intimacy within this material world. Hmm, That's quite powerful. uh, A false sense of intimacy. You know, people, since time immemorial, people have been writing songs or poems or lyrics or whatever about, uh, the, in, in, having, seeking that, uh, intimacy with, with another soul in this material world. But it's, uh, it's a false sense, especially in the sense that, uh, it's temporary. <clears throat> and, but the mind, uh, makes it a very big thing. And, uh, as we've quoted before, I'll just read a couple of verses from it. But the Advanti, Advanti Brahmana, right, uh, he says that, these people are not the cause of my happiness and distress. Neither are the demigods, my own body, the planets, my past work or time. Rather, it is the mind alone that causes happiness and distress and perpetuates excuse me the rotation of material life. All the senses have been under the control of the mind since time immemorial and the mind himself never comes under the sway of any other. He is stronger than the strongest, and his godlike power is fearsome. Therefore, anyone who can bring the mind under control becomes the master of all the senses. And failing to conquer this irrepressible enemy, the mind whose urges are intolerable and who torments the heart, many people are completely bewildered and create useless quarrel with others. Thus they conclude, that other people are either their friends, their enemies or parties indifferent to them. And then we'll read the conclusion in the next verse. The uncontrolled mind, text 17, is the greatest enemy of the living entity. If one neglects it or gives it a chance, it will grow more and more powerful and will become victorious. Although it is not factual, it is very strong. Isn't that an interesting, uh, uh, statement although it is not factual it is very strong it covers the constitutional position of the soul O King please try to conquer this mind by the weapon of service to the lotus feet of the spiritual master and of the supreme personality of God do this with great care Prabhupada writes there is one easy weapon with which the mind can be conquered Disobedience, <laughs> is that quite a uh, statement? Disobedience. So we can read more of the Purpur, but before we do that, because we've just read a lot about the mind, some thoughts on this, this uh, analysis of this thing called the mind that is with us 24-7, 25-7 practically. So does your mind have us any comments on this? Maybe your mind has been very offended. Hare Krishna. Yes, Chivita
1: <laughs>
0: So in Bhagavad
2: Gita, uh, Lord Krishna reveals to Arjun that uh, with the weapon of detachment,
3: practice and detachment,
2: yeah, we can mm-hmm. deliver the mind and take to devotional service. So that's yes. What, and that's been revealed here as well at length by uh, Maharaj Javgur. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, Abhyas and Vairagya. Yes. And to add to that, right, we say Vairagya Vidya Nicha Bhakti yoga. You know, but Sharya, glorified Lord Chaitanya, right? That you practice Vairagya Vidya knowledge and detachment by Bhakti Yoga. Yeah. Thank you for that. Other, other thoughts?
4: And typically, Maya, material nature, is described as dual. It, it's duality, and that is mirrored exactly by the mind, because mind is dual. Accept, reject, like, dislike, love, hate, and when we we can even catch ourselves when when we are observing the mind from a slightly detached position and say, "Oh, the mind is just doing only that: accept or reject, like or dislike," and it's basically. Like like a binary processor, and either it's either zero or it's one. It's if it's not one, it's zero. And it, it's and when when our senses and our uh, intelligence, everything is being controlled by the mind, and the soul is not in charge of our own mind. Then we are taken on a roller coaster ride.
0: Yes. So therefore, every uh, computer programmer should understand the mind very well.
1: <laughs> can I say yes, Andy, go on, Andy.
5: Well, I studied like uh, neuropsychology in college, okay. and and your whole brain and eyes and everything are equipped to support the mind. So mm. when they talk about, like, uh, say your eyes, what's the smallest feature that they can discriminate? They actually use the word discriminate. So, like mm. a hair, you can see a hair. You make it happen. Why is it here? Can the eye discriminate? So the whole system is set up to discriminate friend or foe. And it seems like the whole thing is designed to support the mind in dualistic thinking.
0: That's yes. <laughs> very good. <Yeah. laughs> That's a, I like that analysis a lot. That's very helpful. Yeah, your eyes see what, what is, looks uh, beautiful or ugly. I mean, I guess there's also, you know, kind of neutral. But yeah, but you... you That's, and the nose smells something that's really, oh, yes, that's really nice incense, you know. And then the mind says, oh, yeah, it smells nice, but it's carcinogenic, oh, then I don't like it. (laughs) And so it gets, and therefore, you know, we were reading, right, about the billions of different permutations eventually. It gets very complicated. So the whole idea is to kind of get off the roller coaster. just like walk away from the amusement park and Go to Krishna's lotus feet. Um, David has a question. Is, uh, is this uncontrolled mind that is the greatest enemy of the living entity equated to being conditioned by the material world? Yes. As a matter of fact, they're almost uh, synonymous. Because how are we conditioned in the material world? Primarily through the mind. Um, the mind keeps us here and can also help us get liberated. Um, shall we uh, why don't we read the purport and then take some more um, comments on this? Very powerful purport. The mind is always telling us what to uh, us to do this or that. Anyone have that experience? No, only me. okay. Therefore, we should be very expert at disobeying the mind's orders. It's so interesting because in one sense we're we're so tr- try to be trained as devotees to obey the Vaishnavas obey, the spiritual master obey, Krishna's teachings. But here, we're we're given license to disobey. We're actually instructed to disobey. Śrīla Bhakti Siddhānta Sarasati Thakur used to say that to control the mind, one should beat it with shoes many times just after awakening and again before going to sleep. In this way, one can control the mind. This is the instruction of all shastras, all the shastras. If one... Um, sorry, I got distracted. If one does not do so, one is doomed to follow the dictation of the mind. Another bona fide process is to abide strictly by the orders of the spiritual master and engage in the Lord's service. Then the mind will be automatically controlled. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was instructed, Rupa Goswami, Brahmanda, Brahmite, Kona, Bhagyavan, Guru, Krishna, Prasade, Bhai, Bhakti, Lata Beach. When one receives the seed of devotional service by the mercy of Guru and Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, one's real life begins. If one abides by the orders of the spiritual master, by the grace of Krishna, he is freed from, the ser- from service to the mind. Isn't that interesting? If one abides by the orders of the spiritual master, by the grace of Krishna, he is freed from service to the mind. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a very practical instruction here. I, I you know, we take it almost figuratively, but what we do in those first few minutes after we wake up can really have an impact on the rest of our day. So here of course you know Bhakti Siddhanta starts, you know, beat the mind with with his shoes. Um, but you know getting up I've, as we've talked about before, you know, making our bed immediately when we wake up, so there's already a sattvic Atmosphere, and then, you know, doing whatever, you know, we do to cleanse our body and, and all that. But getting into really good habits just upon awakening before we start the day, that can have a huge impact on our spiritual life and on our consciousness. That's, you know, really down to earth practical stuff. What we, the way we get our mind in gear those first few minutes. And then have a good habit of whatever it is, if it's reading Shastra or chanting our rounds or doing deity worship, whatever we all do, but not checking our Facebook feed right away or you know, finding out what's happening in the news or, or you know, or just staying in the mode of being, uh, you know, really trying to get out of the modes. You know, the it says in uh, some of the Vaishnava Shastra says that we immediately should, Wake up and chant the, uh, loudly the names of our deities. Jai sisi gorni sita ram hanaman shishi ki jai. And then obeisances to the spiritual master. But just that whole thing, getting out of the mode of ignorance and quickly into both goodness by cleanliness and transcendence by remembering Krishna. It's just that, uh, it, it can set the whole day in the right direction. And then similarly, as Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati is saying, at, in the evening, how we spend our evenings, uh, as, as Prabhupada, used to, uh, Prabhupada would say that, you know, a good morning program starts the night before, right? And so trying to get to bed at a reasonable hour and try, you know, we, we all know some of the details, not try not to look at screens, you know, and... So the very last minute before you go to sleep, it's hard to get to sleep that way. Um, and, and different things to kind of wind wind the body and mind down so that we can rest well and have a good morning. So some thoughts on that, those practical things or what was said in this purport. Hare Krishna, Yes.
2: So I you. was thinking about few points that you mentioned based on that, like, I was thinking about the hierarchy mentioned in Bhagavad Gita of how intelligence is above the mind and how even the soul is above the mind. So if you come to the more to the transcendental um, platform, which is hard, obviously, but it's as we are moving up the modes, then to some extent, we are controlling the mind. Um, And that's one thought I had. And then if even if like in the neglect and the disobedience aspect, mentioned here in the purport, in that there is a duality in the sense that we have to be disobedience for the unfavorable activities and be obedience have obedience for the favorable activities so there is duality there too because we are still at the mind level at the at the um, material level and as we are transcending those modes then we can kind of leave the mind okay because it automatically kind of taken care of if we are transcendental. And coming back to the point that you mentioned, which is based on those activities that we do on a daily basis, that kind of controls
0: the mind to some extent.
2: These are some of the thoughts. I don't know if it makes sense.
0: (laughs) I like that. I think, yes, I mean, we do in once on a certain level, we do have duality in Krishna consciousness also in the sense that, Lord Chaitanya said, "Anukulyasya sankalpa, pratikulyasya varjana Right to accept things that are favorable and reject things that are unfavorable. Okay. So and and how do we do that? We do that primarily through the mind, right? Or you know, and then the mind dictates the senses to accept things. So it's so it's a it's a purification of that duality, <laughs> you could say, that the mind. So the mind is accepting and rejecting. So it's just a question of. Instead of accepting and rejecting according to what is what we think, our mind is telling us is pleasing to ourselves and our to our body and our senses, we accept and reject according to the instructions of Guru Krishna, and Guru Sadhu and Shastra. So, uh, and then when we're in the realm of of spirituality and fixed in that, then the, the, in one sense the duality goes away, or the and the other duality is the soul and Krishna. Right, and then there's three things, right? There's the bhakta, bhagavan, and bhakti, right? Those three elements. So Bhak, bhakta, the the us, the infinitesimal soul, uh, bhagavan, the supreme personality of Godhead, and bhakti, the process. Yeah. So it's so I like your point. In one sense, there's still duality, but it's of a it's it's totally focused on Krishna, and therefore, in one sense, it's not dual. Thank you. Paul. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Others?
3: Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Ananda. Yes, Ananda,
0: Rupa, Mantaji.
3: So, Prabhu, I was thinking of chanting of the holy names. And we are talking about mind so much and have challenges during chanting. We, um, as we study about the strategies or techniques, practice being one of them. Uh, so while we try to improve our chanting with attentiveness of mind also I feel that we can we learn to be more attentive by chanting they're like two way so Mm -hmm. in both cases and mind as you know is responsible I mean we try to control the mind and actually engage it so engage is a big thing engaging mind engaging senses That I really like about all this Krishna conscious philosophy is instead of, you know, really getting all worked up about controlling things, we try to engage Hmm. and that automatically purifies and helps in controlling the mind.
0: Nice. Nice. Yes. When I've talked to many senior devotees who have really focused on chanting, they talk about... The real effort to fix the, the mind and be devotional. And they also talk about a time that often happens during the japa session where it becomes kind of effortless. It's almost like you, you're on, you're, you got into the river and the river is taking you. And you're, you're, you're absorbed in it, but it, it, it's, it's like the, 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 the holy name is carrying you. I'm sure we've all had that experience. Uh, and and it becomes so much easier to focus then um and i don't know if effort i don't think effortless is the word because it's always an effort but it's uh you 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 feel like the favorable wind you could say if you're sailing the favorable wind of krishna's kindness and through his holy name okay should we continue Hare krishna oh yes
6: go ahead prabhu yes prabhu um... So that was a very interesting comment that Mataji just made. It made me think of um, like when you are driving and sometimes you don't know exactly how you got to the, your, your goal, your point, but but you got there, you were thinking about something else, but you were attentive enough on a basic level that you made it there, uh, you know, safely. Um, that to me sounds a lot like what you were just describing about this uh, river flowing. Um, and um, it, doesn't it doesn't it make sense that um, we need to be uh, as conscious and attentive, even in that flowing? Sure. We'll get more, more out of it. Sure. Um, I mean, I know I'm just talking about my own experience. When I occasionally get into that, that flow, kind, of, very, very, very occasionally, uh, I'm always appreciative of it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Nice. So thank you for that, Brutus. Uh, so let's move on to the next chapter, right? Exciting things to come. So the conversation is continuing, it, it, chapter after chapter, it seems, <laughs> right? Uh, so let's begin. Ch- text number one. King Ruhugana said, Oh, most exalted personality, you are not different from the supreme personality of Godhead. By the influence of your true self, all kinds of con- contradictions in the Shastra have been removed. In the dress of a friend of a Brahmana, you are hiding your transcendental blissful position. I offer my Respectful obeisances unto you. O oh, best of the brahmanas, my body is filled with dirty things and my vision has been bitten by the serpent of pride. Due to my material conceptions, I am diseased. Your nectarian instructions are the proper medicine for our suffering from such a fever. And they are a co- they are cooling waters for once scorched by heat. So we're seeing that as a... Uh, uh, Raghunanda Prabhu wrote, wrote me this morning we're seeing already here a transi- a uh, transition of the king's consciousness right before he was so puffed up he didn't think he was diseased he didn't think he was uh, bitten by the serpent of pride he, he thought he was the uh, the cat's meow so to speak you know he- and now here by the association uh, things are changing the writes in the purport the conditioned soul has a body full of dirty things, no offense, bones, blood, urine, stool, and so forth. Nonetheless, the most intelligent men in the material world think they are these combinations of blood, bone, urine, and stool. If this is so, why can't other intelligent men be made with these ingredients which are so readily available? The entire world is going on under this under the bodily conception and creating a hellish condition, unfit for any gentleman's living. The instructions given to King Rahugana by Jatabharata are very valuable. They are like the medicine that can save one from a snake bite. The Vedic instructions are like nectar and cool water for one suffering from scorching heat. So we know that. Uh, Prabhupada definitely had a different definition of intelligence than many people. And we could say so many things about it, but one is uh, one who is sumedasa, one who is intelligent, they will take to Sankirtan in, in the age of Kali. So he said, so there's so many most intelligent men in the material world think they're these combinations of blood, bone, urine, and stool. And then he goes on to say how uh, this has become, the world has become a hellish place unfit for any gentleman's living because the world is under the bodily conception. So of course... Any, any day you pick up a newspaper, you find that. Right now, you'll find it in huge amounts in uh, all around the world, but in America, the last few days with the protests and things, with all uh, unfortunate bodily conception of life all around, because we are neither white nor black. We are neither uh, Republican or Democrat. We are neither man nor woman, ultimately. We are none of these bodily conceptions. And remember that, you know, for Jada Bharata, this is as clear as day, right? For us, it's it's still somewhat theoretical, right? But for him, he remembers being a deer. He remembers being a king, right? So which one was, which one is he? Is he a deer? Is he a king? Is he the son of a Brahmana and mistreated by his, uh, elder brothers, which one is he? And it's so obvious to him, he's none of those. None of those. They, he was a deer, and he's no longer a deer. He was this famous king who lived so long, and where is that today? So it's <laughs> very, even you take one purport from Srila Prabhupada's, and you see it just it's quite, uh, Quite amazing. And about this word, "gentleman." if you get a chance, uh, you can see Shivaram Mars's YouTube video that just came out recently on what is a real gentleman. (laughs) It was very nice, just a four minute. There's a link to it on uh, Dandavats. Uh, Some thoughts on this purport? Powerful, powerful purport.
5: Um, Just a footnote. Yes. Uh, Confucius, according to the translation from Chinese, he used the word gentleman as a very high level of attainment. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, and he didn't even say the true gentleman. He said, a gentleman has no worries and no
0: fears. No kidding. <laughs> and no kidding. <laughs> and
5: he was talking about that high level. Yeah.
0: Wow. How nice. Yes. Yeah. No worries and no fears. And for us, that's, that a devotee should, ultimately be like that also um, because they see that Krishna is in control. And if they have any anxiety, the anxiety is anything related to improving their service to Krishna and their devotion. Other thoughts?
4: Hare Krishna um, The association of a pure devotee, they they, they They are pure devotees because their consciousness is very pure, no material contamination. And because of that, their instructions act like a clean mirror. And we are just placed in front of that mirror to see our shortcomings and whatever corrections we need to make. And we we can make those corrections if we desire to do so. But just being in the association of a pure devotee is like that because we start seeing our own mistakes and shortcomings, just like Rahugana is saying, hey, my body, I, I'm recognizing that my body is filled with dirty things. My vision is uh, bitten by this neck of pride and so on. So he was not able to see that before just by himself. But when he came into contact with, a pure devotee and through that association he was able to see things clearly about himself
0: mm. and we will hear hopefully today I think hopefully there should be time one of the most important verses the whole Bhagavatam about the association of a great devotee
6: so the very obvious question should we be thinking that King Rahugana is us
0: embodies us um... Well, we should be so lucky as to associate with Jadavarta, but we could, we could, I I think there's some uh, good reasoning there. Yes. Yeah, certainly when he says things like, you know, I'm overwhelmed by pride and he was obviously a a, um, very qualified person, right? Because he, it didn't take him long to go from being this puffed up monarch to going on the ground and paying obeisances, and I don't know about you, but I didn't do that right away. It Took me quite some time to uh, even think of changing my life and serving Krishna. But he seemed to do it in in uh, moments. So, but yes, I, I think that's that's uh, or just like when uh, Arjuna, it's our acharya say that Arjuna was sometimes put uh seemingly into allusion uh to so that you know the gita would be spoken and that he would ask questions kind of like on our behalf. Okay, so we can carry on unless anyone wants to say something else. So now we're on verse number three and we're uh let's see uh, we're going up to seven I believe. So 3 let's read three and four and then say a few things. Whatever doubts I have about a particular subject matter, I shall ask you about later. For the time being, these mysterious yoga instructions you have given me for self-realization appear very difficult to understand. Please repeat them in a simple way, so I can understand them. My mind is very inquisitive and I want to understand this clearly. oh master of yogic power, you said that fatigue resulting from moving the body here and there is appreciated by direct perception, but actually there is no fatigue; it simply exists as a matter of formality. By such inquiries and answers, no one can come to the conclusion of the absolute truth. Because of your presentation of this statement, my mind is a little disturbed. So now, <coughs> excuse me, Jada Barta is going to start speaking. And to give a little background to these next uh, verses, five to ten, next six verses, uh, if you remember back in the tenth chapter, Jadbharat criticized the king for performing what he called his duty, uh, prescribed by Shastra, you know, of of ruling the citizens. And then a few verses later, Maharaj Hugan asked Jadabharad, he asked him to teach him, how this most, uh, teach him about the quote in his quote, most secure shelter in the world, in, in in this world. And he asked this because he had been considering his duty, which he saw as his, you know, identity. He considered that duty to be his shelter. And then now by Jadibharat's association, that, that shelter is becoming a little less uh, secure. So now here, before... Revealing to the king, because we're going to hear later in this chapter, that kind of unchanging, complete, transcendental shelter, right? We started fearing about that in verse 11. Uh, Judd bard first is going to dismiss the mistaken shelters, okay? And by doing that, the, uh, the false logic that Rahugana is stating of these conventional reality, uh, And uh, along with the difference between the, and he's going to talk about the difference between the body and the soul. I hope that's helpful. That's just a little like coming attraction in these next uh, six verses. So let's start with verse number five and six. The self-realized prominent Jadabharata said, among the various material combinations and permutations, there are various forms and earthly transformations. For some reason, these move on the surface of the earth and are called palaquin carriers. <laughs> so oh, yeah. he's really, yeah. these material transformations which do not move are gross material objects like stones. In any case, the material body is made of earth and stone in the form of feet, ankles, calves, knees, thighs, torso, throat, and head. Upon the shoulders of the wooden upon the shoulder is the wooden palaquin. And within the palaquin is the so-called king of Sovira. The body of the king is simply another transformation of earth, but within that body, your lordship is situated and falsely thinking that you are the king of the state of Sovira. Wow, (laughs) it's really, that's powerful, isn't it? You know, just, it seems like half hour ago, Rahugana was chastising Jadavarata. So you know, Jud Barton knows very well that all material, you know, overlays on the soul uh, are just blocking that true identity. Such as, as we see here, I am a king. I am a king. And and again, as we said earlier, he knows this by direct perception because he remembers being a deer remembers being uh, a king. So this, so you can imagine, this is said with such deep realization. And in order to humble Rahuguna and take away his pride, he says the next verse. Uh, it is a fact, however, that these innocent people carrying your palanquin without payment are certainly suffering due to this injustice. Their condition is very lamentable because you have forcibly engaged them in carrying your palanquin. This proves that you are cruel. And unkind, yet due to false prestige, you were thinking that you were protecting the citizens. This is ludicrous. You are such a fool that you could not have been adorned as a great man in an assembly of persons advanced in knowledge. Hmm. So he's uh, now the purport (laughs) is quite uh, timely, I guess, huh? Um, So this is at the last paragraph and tell me if this rings, if you could relate to something in current events, when the king or governmental head does not follow the proper principles, nature deals out the punishments in the form of war, famine, and so forth. (laughs) Therefore, if the governmental head is not aware of life's goal, he should not take charge of ruling the people. Actually, actually, The supreme proprietor of everything is Lord Vishnu. He is the maintainer of everyone. The king, the father, and the guardian are simply representatives of Lord Vishnu, empowered by him to look after the management and maintain things. It is therefore the duty of the head of the state to maintain the general populace in such a way that people will ultimately know the goal of life. Unfortunately, the foolish governmental head And the general populace do not know that the ultimate goal of life is to understand and approach Lord Vishnu. Without this knowledge, everyone is in ignorance, and all society is crowded with cheaters and cheated. So, let me ask you this. (laughs) Here's a tough question for you. Uh, Knowing what you know about Krishna consciousness and about the world, uh, if you were in charge of a country, let's say America or another country, as, and you were in charge of it and you could do what you like, what would you do?
4: Uh, first thing I would do is take, take uh, guidance and instructions from a wise spiritual personality. Okay <laughs> and then based on that guidance and instruction, start implementing proper uh, rules and regulations for this for myself to follow and also my citizens to follow and that would be the primary the topmost priority would be to know about God and to connect with God, so whatever resources that can be provided for the citizens to Accomplish that objective will be made a top priority. It doesn't mean that we disregard the material needs, but the top priority would be the uh, connecting with God and providing education and resources to the citizens for them to also learn and accomplish that objective.
0: Very interesting. Thank you. What about others?
2: So one thought I had was um, this is, Similar, I was referring, I was thinking about the first canto. In the first canto, also, it is described uh, when Yudhishthira Maharaj became the king of the world. And then what happened was when he became the king of the world, then all the, um, because he was God conscious, then there was no climate change. There were no diseases. It's actually written by, in the purport by that how, because he was God conscious, that's why the citizens were protected. So hmm. to answer your question, I would say that, and to some extent, even Raghunandan Prabhu mentioned, which is, we just need to be God conscious. If we are God conscious as leaders, then it automatically impacts our citizens. And and I'm basing this on what's written in the first canto, which is Yudhishthira Maharaj was was God conscious. And then the whole climate, there was no climate problems. There were no diseases whatsoever. Okay. Um, Very good. Can I say
5: something? Yeah,
2: of course. Go ahead, Andy.
5: I think we need to improve education a whole lot. I mean, they don't tell you anything you need to know, your whole education life. They don't even talk about things like dying. I mean, like it used to be common, like in older days, people in your family would die. They didn't have uh, medicines and, you know, they didn't have antibiotics and people were connected with that. Now people go through like they're never going to die, right? I mean, just these basic things. You don't have to indoctrinate them and... Okay, Chan Hari Krishna. Just, I think, improved education. If you really had your eye on the right things, you at least teach people how to judge what's going on, how to make choices.
3: <laughs>
5: I don't know. That doesn't make any
0: sense, but. Makes total sense. I, I, it reminds me of Simon and Garfunkel. When I think back at all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. <laughs> but, uh,. <laughs> But okay, yeah, okay. So you would you would focus on education, okay? Anyone else like to? Who else would like to say what
1: you're going to do? You're the you've just been uh, promoted. <laughs> I would. I definitely would agree with Andy. You know, to improve the educational system, but also like uh, focus on um, vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would eliminate meat eating. I would, I would, I would like a, put a massive ban on you know killing animals, and just focus mainly on clean li- living.
0: Okay, so you're going to uh, put a ban. And what's going to happen to those farmers that uh, raise cattle? Uh,
1: they would start um, growing wheat. <laughs> okay, so you give, you give them another job.
0: Yeah, you'd have to pay them. You'd have to pay them. Okay, we're giving them another Stab. job, all right. And uh, Mun says, uh, vegetarianism and allocate 15 to 30 minutes to chanting, reading scripture. Okay. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes, what are you going to do, Ananda Rupi? You're the new queen of USA.
3: <laughs> so Prabhu, everything everyone has been saying, but basically having encouraged more and more sustainable farm communities, I mean, that ah. culture where and also have an environment, whether it's educational institutions or professional work environment, you know, uh, in all kinds of different environments where people meet to facilitate what ISKCON is doing, uh, loving exchanges and where people can get education, how they can improve life, be a better person, come closer to God. I mean, this is what basically all ideas are, Everybody is proposing. All
0: right, I'm going to vote for all of you in the next election. (laughs) Very good. Okay, great. So let us continue and go to verse number eight and keep going. All of us on the surface of the globe are living entities in different forms. Okay. Some of us are moving and some not moving. All of us come into existence, remain for some time, and are annihilated when the body is again mingled with the earth. We are all simply different transformations of the earth. Different bodies uh, and capacities are simply transformations of the earth that exist only in name only. But uh for everything grows out of the earth, and when everything is annihilated, it again mingles with the earth. In other words, we are but dust, and we shall but be dust. Everyone can consider this point. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. One may say that varieties arise from the planet Earth itself. However, although the universe may temporarily appear to be the truth, it ultimately has no real existence. The Earth was originally created by a combination of atomic particles, but these particles are impermanent. Actually, the atom is not the cause of the universe, although some philosophers think so. It is not a fact that the varieties, it is not a fact that the varieties found in this material world simply result from atomic juxtaposition or combination. So then, so in other words, we're trying to come, what is the real cause of everything, including the earth? And let's see what he says in text 10. Since... This universe has no real ultimate existence. The things within it, shortness, differences, grossness, skinniness, smallness, bigness, result, cause, living symptoms, and materials are all imagined. They are all pots made of the same substance, earth, but they are named differently. The differences are characterized by the substance, nature, predisposition, time, and activity. You should know that all these are simply mechanical manifestations of, Created by material nature. So this is right out of Bhagavad Gita chapter two, verse sixteen. Uh, one definition of real is that which is eternal, and one definition of unreal is that which is temporary. So he's saying this this world is always shifting, always changing, trying to break Rahugana's attachment to it. So the question then is. What is actually eternal? And that comes up in the next three verses, starting with 11. Uh, yes.
6: I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, the verse says, uh, occasionally this happens in the verses that we've been reading over the past weeks, or, or more frequently than that, maybe. Uh, the wording, are all imagined, intrigues me. And I know it can't mean it can't it can't mean it, that they come out of a single individual's imagination because that seems too impossible so when we talk about uh things being imagined um can you elaborate, please, or the group about uh what what we're dealing with?
0: Yes, yeah, so well that's why I was referring to okay. uh Nasato Vidite Sataha, Ubayor Tas Twanayos This is a chapter, chapter two, verse sixteen. Those who are seers of the truth have concluded up that the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, and of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. And then Prabhupada in the purport says there's no endurance of the changing body. The body is changing every moment by the actions and reactions of different cells that's admitted by modern science. And thus growth and old age are taking place in the body. But the spirit soul exists permanently, remaining the same despite all changes of the body and mind. So then if we go back, to, I have to go back to the Bhagavatam.
6: So, so uh, you, you're addressing the permanence, which, uh, which is absolutely uh, the, the point that the verse that you quoted and this verse are making uh, about permanence. But I, I, I guess I was um, referring to uh, the first part of the verse, where it says, since the universe has no real ultimate existence, it's all, and, then, and then a long list of things, and then in, in different ways we've been, uh, yes, different, it was, different so, verses have covered that. That we're all we're imagining all right. those varieties.
0: Yes, so they they are there, but they're temporary, right? That's the Vaishnava understanding. So they're imagined in the sense that they they are here today gone tomorrow right but who who <laughs> imagines because
6: i'm i'm extremely tiny and dull and i can't imagine my mind creating those varieties um, so it's it i is it addressing the, that the individual each individual creates those or do
0: we have Well, yeah, because we all, yes, because we're all creating different ideas of, you know, someone like, you know, someone's fatness is another one's thinness, right? If you have, if you're 250 pounds, I think you're fat, but to a 500 pound person, you're skinny, right? So it's it's all imagined by us in the sense, uh, there's different perspectives on these things, but ultimately, they're not the real substance, the real substance is, is the soul. And which I
6: accept, which I accept. I was just, yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's what it means. That's my understanding of what it means by imagined.
6: Isn't
1: and that's that
0: why, the, I. that's why I went back to that verse in the Bhagavad <laughs> Gita, because it's using kind of that definition to say what's imagined or illusion and what's permanent or real. Someone else tried to say something?
5: Isn't that the, isn't that the subtle body, the the mind that's a cheetah, they say it's,
4: Yes. Yeah.
5: It's so powerful. They say if you get control of that, you can tell God to kneel down. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's powerful enough to imagine the whole universe.
0: Yeah.
5: Well, I mean, that's just in the,
0: that's I a, mean. a. I know great what you mean.
5: statement. Yeah,
0: yeah. But there's that subtle, mean.
5: subtle mind that is very powerful in everyone.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's very powerful. It's, it's really what, what, what. Try, what why do we live uh, in America, or why do we live in Washington? You know, why do we? work in this job or that job, why do we marry this person or that person, it's the mind (laughs) and our karma dictating. Anything else on this point?
4: Also, the last line in the translation states, it is not a fact that the varieties found in this material world simply result from atomic juxtaposition or combination. So it's not just material elements being brought together. There is something else that is behind all these varieties, uh, which I think Bharat is leading to, is going to speak in the next few verses, the Supreme Lord. So nothing happens by randomly by chance. It's not like, okay, these material elements just came together and formed these different varieties and planetary mm. systems and the living beings and so on. It's not that kind of, uh uh, 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 creation, but there is some, some, some deeper intelligence and a personality behind the creation.
6: That's, that's not the part that I don't, ex- I accept that completely. Um, I guess what I was, and I, 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 I don't want to keep repeating myself. I'll, I'll be quiet. But, um, what I was referring to was this, um, incredible capacity if 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 we accept that we're imagining all of these differences these big bigness and smallness and all of the varieties that we're seeing in the material world are actually our it results from our own imagination what what an incredible capacity the mind must have to that and it's so far beyond what we're able to or at least what I'm able to conceive of the mind having the capacity
0: to do. But I don't think it's not imagined in that sense. It's totally real. It's imagined in the sense that it's temporary. Uh, it's totally real. This computer is a real thing. Your body is totally real, but yeah. it's temporary. Yeah, And that's why it's really important. And we're going to come up to this. I think uh, hopefully we have time to finish this chapter today. Um, this is going to come up that all of these things in the material world, you know, they're created by Krishna. And so all of them have their actual reality in using them in Krishna's service. Sure. So let's go on to 11 and uh, let's talk about that. So now we come to Krishna. What then is the ultimate truth? The answer is that non-dual knowledge is the ultimate truth. It is the void of the contamination of material qualities. It gives us liberation. It is the one without a second, all pervading and beyond imagination. The first realization is that knowledge of Brahman. Then Paramatma, the Supersoul, is realized by the yogis who try to see him without grievance. This is the second stage of realization. Finally, full realization of the same supreme knowledge is realized in the supreme person. All learned scholars describe the supreme person as Vasudeva, the cause of Brahman, Parama, and others. So this is significant because we, up till this time, we haven't really heard any anything from Jada Bharata about God or about right. You know, now he's finally he's switching to the positive. He's been he's been detaching us from the material world, right? uh and now his his bhakti is coming out he hasn't directly revealed the path of bhakti uh nor his own depth of realization practically until this verse so now he's showing what a lover of of krishna he is uh and he's kind of really saying that you know okay whether you know for for the for the non devotees for the for the karmis ganis that Bhagawan realization is the ultimate realization. So now, in the next two verses, the next one being one of the most famous verses in the Bhagavatam, he teaches how to attain that supreme absolute truth and how to practice bhakti. My dear King Rahugana, unless one has the opportunity to smear his entire body with the dust of the lotus feet of great devotees, one cannot realize the absolute truth. One cannot realize the Absolute Truth simply by observing celibacy, excuse me, brahmacharya, strictly following the rules and regulations of householder life, leaving home as a vanaprasta, accepting sannyas, or undergoing severe penances in winter by keeping oneself submerged in water, or surrounding oneself in summer by fire in the scorching heat of the sun. There are many other processes to understand the Absolute Truth, but the Absolute Truth is only revealed to one who has attained the mercy of a great devotee. So let's uh, let's read the next verse and then we'll go back. Who are the pure devotees mentioned here? In an assembly of pure devotees, there is no question of discussing material subjects like politics and sociology. In, <coughs> in an assembly of pure devotees, there is discussion only of the qualities forms and pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is praised and worshipped with full attention. In the association of pure devotees, by constantly hearing such topics respectfully, even a person who wants to merge into the existence of the Absolute Truth abandons this idea and gradually becomes attached to the service of Vasudev. um, In text 12, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur adds that all the false material objects that exist in this material, in this world. So this is that point about everything being, can be spiritualized. All the false material objects that exist in this world lose their material qualities through association with bhakti. The Lord makes those objects the highest truth and favorable to the desires of His devotees. What is impossible for the Lord and His inconceivable power? So, even all these material things, the phones and things that we use, they, uh, when we use them in Krishna's service, these objects become the highest truth <laughs> because if they're favorably used in, in Krishna's service. Hmm. And Vishnu Trakravarti Thakur also says that when one bathes in the dust of the feet of great devotees, or when one is in their presence, the qualities of the Lord, such as his affectionate nature, are repeatedly glorified. Hearing these topics will produce pure thoughts of Vasudev, the son of Vasudev, without mixing those thoughts with a desire for liberation. This is true even for those who, are, who already want liberation. So the bathing in the dust is also being in their presence or hmm. hearing their writings etc or hearing their classes.
3: Hare Krishna Prabhu, yes. that section you just read, where are you reading it from?
0: What I just read? Yeah. That's from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's uh, comments, oh,
3: okay.
0: it's not in our Bandhaswamy.
3: Oh, okay, I wanted to just revisit it, that was very beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice, very nice.
0: So now this purport, oh my god, this purport. Uh this is a challenge for us right now, isn't it? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was strictly prohibited his devotees to talk about worldly matters. Varta Uh one should not indulge in talking unnecessarily about news of the material world. One should not waste time in this way. This is a very important feature in the life of a devotee. A devotee has no other ambition than to serve Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This Krishna Conscious movement was started to engage people 24 hours daily in the service of the Lord and his glorification. The students in this institution engage in the cultivation of Krishna consciousness from 5 in the morning till 10 at night. They actually have no opportunity to waste their time unnecessarily in discussing politics, sociology, and current events. <coughs> These will go their own way. A devotee is concerned only with serving Krishna, positively and seriously. And I think if we were honest, we would agree, at least I can speak, let me speak for myself, that um, I would be a lot more peaceful if I didn't spend, if I cut down or got rid of uh, keeping up with all the news and the politics uh, and the current events. I think that's a fair statement if i was thinking of krishna and hearing his pastimes instead of the washington post or something that that would be that's definitely better for my krishna consciousness so how do you apply such strong words from śrila Prabhupada in this time when I'm not, I'm not i don't know about you all but many people in the world and even as devotees are keeping in touch with the news more than ever i, I believe it was a Maybe it's the Washington Post or the New York Times. They've increased their readership like like 30 percent, huge amount, during the coronavirus. So how do you apply this per pur- or do you just let it go in one ear and out the other and rah rah harry <laughs> How do you apply it, or how should we apply it? Oh yes, Andy.
5: You can apply it as a metric. You can apply it as a metric. So if you have no desire to discuss any of these things, you know you're you're, you're a great
0: devotee. <laughs> okay, that's nice. I yeah, I okay.
5: can't I can't do that, but it's a no, metric no. I know. If I, yeah,
0: you're 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 paraphrasing Prabhupada. Prabhupada would say, "How do you know you're making advancement?" He would say, "How do you know when your fever's gone? The temperature has calmed down. Do you take a thermometer?" So. Uh, when your material desires are going down, you know you're making advancement in Krishna consciousness. So similarly here, you're spending less time doing this. You're making, you could say, yes, very good. What else? Well, Hare
4: Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna.
0: Uh, Go
6: ahead.
4: Thank you, Prabhu. Uh, um, this is a very high stage. It's, it's a topmost spiritual platform. So I could take it as a, a goal for me to attain sometime in this lifetime or it could be in multiple lifetimes in the future but that's a goal I should move towards from wherever I am at currently. But if I am right there in this, this highest stage it's talking about well and good but I'm not there. So at least I know what is the gap from mm-hmm. where I am at and where that high stage is and then slowly start working towards one step at a time.
0: Okay. All right. Uh,
6: Guru, are you going to say something? Um, I agree with Raghunanda and, Prabhu, and Just to add to his point, that uh, this challenge uh, that that you've been mentioning it seems to be related to dovetailing, and uh, how we are encouraged to uh, follow our tendencies, but do it. Krishna consciously, um, and in the case of your that 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 the example that you gave about listening to uh, political commentary and keeping up with the news, uh, and it's something I wish I could do as well, is, is to maybe do that in a moderate, moderate or regulated way, but also. Uh, Develop a system within the mind to constantly remember that this is all just the flotsam and jetsam of the temporary, you know, the temporary world. Um, okay. Thank you.
0: Uh, I, other, uh, do I'm you not want to say something that else? As a solution? Just, just that. Yeah. Any others? Uh, well, let's see. Mom has quoted something here. What does he say? Um, Verse, chapter, tw- oh, was that about, in, in regards to what we're, dis- I guess it is, versus, oh, the, he's talking about the progression, uh, some people were saying, you know, there's different levels, so he's talking about the progression in uh, Bhagavad Gita. Other thoughts?
4: So, uh, as a preacher, you know, for example, yourself, right, if you detach, you know, from worldly news, how do you connect to people, how do you, Uh, you know give them direction so you know how do you I mean we have to relate to people you know Mm -hmm. as as a preacher for example yourself and you know if you cannot uh, know what's happening in the world I think you know if we know more about what's happening in the world and what people are facing uh, current challenges whether it be coronavirus or anything I think it becomes easier to relate philosophy and make it applicable to
0: their lives Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so there's a vote for at least being aware of what's going on in the world as uh, someone who has who's um, working with other people. Anyone else?
1: Yeah. yeah, Hare Krishna, I completely agree with that. You know, I was also getting very overwhelmed with all the news during the pandemic. And every time I turn on the news, it was the same story over and over again, you know, <laughs> And there were just numbers and statistics that didn't actually mean anything, you know, and it was just getting a bit crazy. So what I did was I, I, turned, I turned off watching all the news, but subscribed to just one email from the World Health Organization that would come every day. And I would just read. If I, if I needed to read, I'd read that to get up to speed with stuff. But otherwise, I'd just delete it. And in that way, you know, I, I, get, I get a bit of information that I need. And I can read what I want to read. You know, I don't need to focus on, you know, what's happening in America, what's happening in South America or Australia or wherever it is. Just focus on what you need to know. And that's mm-hmm. about it. So just you know, just receive a digest instead of, you know, everything there that's coming through. That sounds
0: wise. Sounds wise. Yeah, because we, we, it's good to remember that somebody is choosing which things are going to be headlines. <laughs> I you know, yeah, and, and, it
1: was wrong stuff as well. You know, it yeah. wasn't it hundred percent correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's also true. So, okay, so we can apply this uh, wisely in in our lives. I mean, probably would sometimes ask for the newspaper and keep in touch with uh, current events, but he didn't like you know, spend hours <laughs> on yeah. it. He, you know, yeah.
6: Okay. Can I just add one very quick point? This just emphasizes the um, the the great. Need that we have to uh, associate with devotees. The original uh, problem that you raised uh, of, you know, gramya Kata or the verse raises um, if we are in this association of devotees, one person may go off or talk about politics, but then another person can bring them back to the Mm. Uh, Krishna kind of yes. a
1: central point.
0: Yeah. And, and the main point here, of course, is that spend our time, is the positive, spend our time hearing and chanting about Krishna. And also Prabhupada, you know, it's, it's, in his writings it's pretty clear that he would sometimes see old people, you know, reading the newspaper, playing chess, reading a novel, and thinking, oh my, you know, what a waste of time. They're, toward, they're getting close to death and instead of getting serious about things they're finding all these different distractions you know what is what is a shuffleboard is considered something that older people do and you
1: know
0: uh, and and you know he his 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 feelings of compassion would would come out that oh my gosh you know what a what a waste
2: <sighs> Prabhu one one more point i want to uh, yes, Divya that i think to some extent going back to that point that Prabhuji made about preaching i think it's important to know to some extent some of these because then only you can relate to it because we are now we are calling people and telling them about the books and everything and these are the things we are discussing with them is Mm -hmm. is what's going on in the current situation and how they are coping up with that and because Like uh, Jay Prabhu mentioned that most of the people are hooked up to their TVs and looking at the news every single day and they're looking at those numbers going up and they're just focused on that. So how we take them out of there and bring them to these scriptures Mm -hmm. and bring them to this, this knowledge, which will help them. So it helps to relate to that. So knowing these news, uh, it, it helps, but we shouldn't be too absorbed. And I was in the same situation initially when this all started, I was watching news too much. And then I try to take my mind away from it and try to focus more on reading or other activities so that I can, and at least I'm knowing what's going on. I'm reading news just a little bit every day, but just not too much
0: focused on it and relating to people. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So we have, let's see, we have just, let's just read verse 14. In a previous life, I was known as Bharat Maharaj. I attained perfection by becoming completely detached from material activities through direct experience, and through indirect experience, I received understanding from the Vedas. I was fully engaged in the service of the Lord, but due to my misfortune, I became very affectionate to a small deer, so much so that I neglected my spiritual duties. Due to my deep affection for the deer, in my next life, I had to accept the body of a deer. So he's... he's, uh, revealing his past life to Maharaj Rahugana. Um, One thing I thought was really significant is just at the end, despite a very rigid life of in-devotional service, Bharat Maharaj did not consult a spiritual master when he became overly attached to a deer. Consequently, he became strongly attached to the deer and forgetting his spiritual nature he fell down. So I thought that was, a, you know, this, the whole purport is about spiritual master. Um, I thought this is really important. It's a sign, it's a sign of strength to reveal our mind to others and to consult. Uh, whether, you know, of course, it might be your, your spiritual master here can be plural. It might be your Diksha Guru. It might be your many Shiksha Gurus. But the idea is that he, he had, he had spiritual, we talked about this before, he had his, Spiritual difficulties because there was no one there uh, that he consulted with, and also no one there as uh, Gurudas was just talking about association to just say, "Hey, what gives, Maharaj? Bart, <laughs> you just renounce your kingdom, and now you're going to take care of this silly, de- you know, and, and and you you interrupt your puja to take care of the deer? Get it? Get with it? You know, get on the program." <laughs> but there was no one there to to do that, and as Gurudas saying, association is so important. Both to keep us on the straight and narrow, and to uh, to be able to consult with. I I, I have this personal experience. So uh, my uh, my job, they they're paying for me to have a coach, right? So you know, life coaching or executive coaching is a big thing in the world. And I'm not asking him. A, actually, he he's quite favorable to Krishna consciousness. He uh, we started our last coaching session by him saying, "Well, could you?" uh say some kind of invocation or prayer uh from the Hare Krishna tradition. <laughs> it's very cool. But anyway, uh one thing that we came up with in our second session, it's only been our second session, is that um I said, well one of my challenges is that I stay on my computer too late in the night and doing things. So we, we came to this idea that uh at 730 I'd close my computer, leave my phone downstairs, and that's it. And she said so so then I asked my wife to be my accountability partner and don't let me, you know, if she sees me with a computer or phone upstairs, say, Hey, didn't you say, you know, say, Prabhu, (laughs) you said you weren't gonna do this. And so out of fear of her (laughs) catching me being uh hypocritical, I I haven't done it the last two days. Only two days, it was Friday that I uh it's only been two nights since uh I, I met with my coach. But that idea of, of we're not just, you know, hey, hari, ball and even hearing and chanting together, but we also sometimes, if we have that kind of relationship, we can get on each other's case in a, in a, in a nice way to help us become Krishna conscious. So Judd uh, Bharata didn't have that. And now he was uh, lamenting, not having that. So let us for once in our life uh finish this cha- finish a chapter. So <laughs> I'm just gonna read the last two verses and then we'll call it a day, okay? Let, well, uh because we don't have a temple president telling us to stop, uh does anyone have any comments on that?
2: Thank you. I have one quick comment on this that I feel like this is the theme of these verses, <laughs> starting from the last verse from the previous chapter. Uh, uh, Jad Bharat talked about the spiritual master. Of if you just follow the instructions of the spiritual master, then you can control your mind. Mm-hmm. Then in the twelfth verse, he mentioned about the spiritual master association of devotees, and then again, it's talking about that. So it's, yeah. it seems like it's one of the central themes of this. His instructions of association of your devotees and following the instructions of your spiritual master. Um, yes,
0: and, and I think what's and I do as you probably all know by now. And this is a, a GBC uh direction, not just me. But uh, it's almost like we should uh Prabhupada is the, the Shastra is saying spiritual master, and it sounds singular, but it really is spiritual masters. Right? And and especially in a society of our like ours, where we're not like living in the ashram with our in the same house as our guru and our guru's wife, right? And you know, um we uh we have uh the fortune of, of many uncles and aunts uh, who can guide us in Krishna consciousness. So spiritual masters is, uh, I think, a very important concept for us in, in for the success of our society. Yeah. Thank,
2: you. thank you.
0: Yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. So finally, my dear heroic king, due to my past sincere service to the Lord, I could remember everything of my past life, even while in the body of a deer. Because I am aware of the fall-down of my past life, I always keep myself separate from the association of ordinary men. Being aware of their bad materialistic association, I wander alone, unnoticed by others. Simply by giving up the association of worldly people and associating with exalted devotees, anyone can attain perfection of knowledge and with the sword of knowledge can cut to pieces the illusory associations within this material world. Through the association of devotees, one can engage in the service of the Lord by hearing and chanting Shravanam Kirtanam. Thus, one can revive his dormant Krishna consciousness and sticking to the cultivation of Krishna consciousness return home, back to Godhead, even in this life. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta Purports of the 5th Canto, 12th chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled, the Conversation Between Maharaj Rahugana and Jadaparata. So thank you. Thank you. Sorry we went over four minutes. Um, and we will continue. I'll send out the homework for next week. And we will continue more about <laughs> Jada and Maharaj Rahugana. But we're getting to the end of this pastime soon. So thank you very much. Hare Krishna. All glorious to Srila Prabhupada.